iti te kupu, nui te kōrero. Although little is said, there is great meaning behind the words. Ina hoe fai fakarunga mai ana himihitine kia kaito kumarae rakrakutine. Kujasi maritine. Welcome to Tiahika, the Māori Features Program on Radio New Zealand National. Daylight savings may be in full swing, being a spring and all, but you wouldn't believe it, everyone's still wearing scarves and coats. Ai tikarai hua, that's right, Maria. and though it means we get more sun, we get to see it, eh? Well, at least here in Wellington. Which was the setting for Creative New Zealand's Natonga Toy at Te Wakatoi. Those are awards where individuals are honoured for their contribution to the arts, and others, like one of our guests, Iritana Tafifirangi, is acknowledged as an individual who is exemplary in their chosen field of artistic Endeavor. But as she said to Justine, it was the help of her people that allowed her to reach her achievements. I've had a um, privileged journey in my life, um, and the privilege began, as I've so often stated, began from my own tribal area of Ngati Pro, where I had the good fortune, people my age had the singular good fortune of being nurtured and reared in what I call the University of my tribe. Musician Michael Franti has a real love for Aotearoa and Māori, ensuring it's part of the tour circuit when he drops a new album. And the All Rebel Rockers show is about to hit town. And this brother feels deep, man, taking his message of peace, aroha and understanding across nations. I really feel at the end of the day, help others to think about the world, to think about the relationship between Maori people or or indigenous people of any place and the colonial people who have moved there, you know. These are things that are really important issues in the world today. So you need the rude boys back in town. Rude boys. has been one of the many who has paved the way for Kohana those are early childhood centres, though the literal translation of kohangareo is language nests, where babies and children are nurtured in a whānau environment where only te reo Māori is spoken. This queer has advocated for te reo Māori her whole lifetime, and she was recognised for that recently when she received what is a premier award from Te Wakatoi. The recipient of Te Tohu Tike Tike a Te Wakatoi. E mōhi o Canadian and English. Hi, ko iri tana tafifirangi no ngati pro tuturu no fare kahika no uawa ko era ku hapa hapu o ngati pro ko era te tahita oku ko te tahita no no taitokero no waima te tahi no no ko kahunu narera wai Maria ne nuinga ngapanga. Ha, aqua hide a key here, knock, for now, 
Kāpapa, 
ngā whānau. I runga te ahua tonu o te ao Māori. Hei pū he, 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 he kaupapa i te marae, mena he mārena, mena he hui, mena he tangihanga. Huritau. Huritau, kua hara mai tēnā me tāna koha, me tāna koha ana miti atu koe para, parareka atu koe era mea. I roto i te pōharatanga a pūtea nei, engari i roto i te uh, whakaaro Māori, i ea katoa, i mahi tahi, i aroha tātou, tētahi ki tētahi. Nā reira, i tēnei wā, um, rahi ngā pūtea, māharaharau e tahi wā. Nā te nui o te pūtea, ka puta mai ngā āhuatanga um, wehewehe a tātou. Um, Whaka he manawe a tātou. Uh, nā reire, mahi nui kei mui a tātou, o tira koutou te hungarangatahi. Ki te whakahoki mai, hera te mea whakakore atu, i ngā mm. tūmana ko a tērā, a tērā, e hera tērā. Engari, ki te tautoko, kaua tātou e whakatū, ka mutu, ka whakahe e tai. Kia au ni, ngā Māori katoa e ore ore nei, e kaha nei, he nui ngā rōpū, nui rō atu nei. Taha tinana, taha te reo, taha ngā mahi e mahi nā koe. Me tautoko. Te mate nui o te tangata, hera ko ngā Māori anake, engari te tangata tonu. Tere tonu tātou te kite ngā heo e tai. Nā, mena ka whakapaua tātou kaha ki te whakawā i etahi, ki te... Mo āwhea tātou whakamihi anō i a tātou. Hera te mahi ngāwari. Engari, ka ngāwari, mena ka whi tātou, te tahi i te tahi. Ko era tonu taku... Taku tino whai i roto i ngā kohanga reo. Me tau kaua koutou e waiho mā te kaiako anake. Kaua e waiho mā te kaiako anake. Te take he mahi tau maharo atu. Engari me whakauru mai koutou e kororo ni tātou Māori mō te mana o te whānau. Kaua e whakapākea i a kau tātou. Ana te mea kei tūtungia te kaiako, waiho atu mana e mea. Nā te hunga, nā rātou ngā mokopuna, nā rātou ngā tamariki. Hara mai ki te tautoko, te awhi i te kaiako. Kia mōhia i koutou, mena kāre koutou te mārama ki te reo, kei te noho kuare. Haere ki reire taha o ngā mokopuna, nā ka hopungia e koutou te reo. Tēnā, me hiritāua ki te reo Pākeha, ka pai tēnā. Kia ora, kia ora. So, what was your reaction when you first heard of receiving this, te tohu teke teke a te wakatoi? Well, you know, how would anyone feel that that is approached? Very humbling and and I guess straight away my mind went to why is any one single person chosen when there's when what you've done has really been the result of of thousands of our people rowing the waka in this case i'm talking about kohangareo uh i and of course as as many people know i spent um 
over 25 years in the Department of Maori Affairs. So I've had a, I've had a um, privileged um, journey in my life. Um, and the privilege began, as I've so often stated, began from my own tribal area, from Ngāti Pro, where I had the good fortune, people my age had the singular good fortune of being nurtured and reared in what I call the university of my tribe. Those were the people who nurtured me, who guided me, who monitored me, who corrected me, who, in a way, that meant that they really wanted you to do the best you could. And, and that best could only be achieved by the learnings that one got from being in your tribal area. I remember, you know, when I first came to Wellington, I was invited to speak at the teachers' college. And the subject was um, Maori, Maori teachings. That's right, Maori teachings. or something along those lines. I wanted to know for me to, in, to in, interpret Maori teaching. And I... I've always been a funny sort of person. If people ask me to do something, I say yes, only because I feel, you know, if they've asked you, you should. But in saying yes, I'm never ever sure what I'm saying yes to. <laughs> it's <laughs> long to laughter. Yeah. And so I just say, yes, I'll come in one day. And then on my way up, and I thought, no, the Maori teachings. Now, you know, and the other thing is I'm, I've been uh, uh, one of my weaknesses, perhaps, although I'm classified as a strength, I've never... You know, Maori teaching. I haven't sat down and, and, and agonised over now what does it mean and tried to write it down and all the rest of it. In actual fact, I've actually flown by the seat of my pants. You know, um, but you can do that. You can do that when you've grown up in an environment that actually prepares you. Mm. So when I got up to Maori teachings and uh, and I said, well, actually, I was never taught. My people didn't teach me. Um, I learned from what they expected. And uh, someone said to me in the room, well, what, how, what about a hangi? You know, who taught you to... Do you know how to make a hangi? I said, yes. Well, who taught you? I said, well, I wasn't taught. But when you've grown up as a kid and you see the men and you see them digging the hole and the tools they use and the, and the, and the water and the rocks and the fire and, and you see that time and time and time again, that's a learning exercise. Mm. Um, and then uh, someone said, well, how did you learn about, uh, how, did, how were you taught by your parents or your mother about menstruation? I said, well, that's another thing I wasn't taught. But I knew about menstruation long before it hit me. <laughs> and why did I know? Because at home, it's when, the, when my mothers and aunties and the older women, when they didn't get into the sea, it was because mate wahine. Uh, they didn't ride horses because of that. They didn't go into the vegetable garden because of that. So you knew that it was something that was... You learned about it. But they didn't sit me down and say, well, at a certain time, this is going to happen <laughs> and this is going to happen. So when it does happen, you're ready for it. Mm. It's like, um, it's like um, procreation, you know... Um, I wasn't taught. I wasn't taught the birds and the bees. Yeah, you know, birds and bees. It, it, it was. You see, your auntie. We, my auntie had her baby at home on the floor. We're all part of it. But you're ready for it because you're on a farm. You see, 
the bull is put with the cows, the ram is put with the sheep, and, and all these animals they have. So it's a natural, natural process. You don't have to be taught what you grow up learning about. And so for me, I guess, um, and, and I've, I've belaboured the point over and over again, in Kohanga, it's less about teaching. It's about providing an environment where the children are learning, the kayako is learning, the parents are learning from each other. Mm. That's the model. It's a unique model. No one else in the education system here ever does that. It's quite unique. Because what, what, is, what is associated with education is, is a, teacher a teacher and students. Now, I'm not, I'm not belittling that. I'm, I great, I'm a teacher. My, I mean, I, I, I taught for about 15 years before I changed, uh, before I was pushed elsewhere. But um, what I'm saying is that I have the greatest respect for teachers, but I have the greatest aroha for them. Because just because they've got these certificates and qualifications, they expect it to be able to deal to the individual children with a big crown fund. Not possible, and that's why I'm saying um, that there's a huge role for the Fano. Now, we talk, Fano is is uh, uh, trotted around this country in, in all sorts of areas, but when you start to define what you mean by Fano, the Fano in your home, the Fano on the Marae, Aye. the Fano in a Kohanga, the Fano in a Kohanga reo, I would hope is being um, addressed in a Maori cultural framework. But if it's, if it's not, if it's whānau in this instance and not in that instance, then, you know, it's a contradiction. And um, what it really says is that I don't think that we've really come to terms with the beauty and the richness and the potential of a Maori cultural framework. Mm. And so in your, in your career... Mm-hmm. Um, what have been some of the some of the milestones? Well, <laughs> the first milestone was uh, I didn't want to be a teacher or a nurse. <laughs> in, in those days, and I was I went I came to Hukarere in 1943, and had the privilege of being there for four years. Though I hated every year of it. I, I did. I, I just could not. I could not um, take to it. Um, and I guess. Uh, the reason for that is I had a very open, free, ranging education in Hicks Bay. We climbed the hills, we went on the rocks, we s- rode our horses bareback, we swam. And, and so I had an uninhibited childhood. And, and then I was trundled off to um, Hukarere. And I was stunned at the regimentation at the bells ringing to do this and something else to do that and something else to do that and although I, I didn't you know didn't appreciate it at the time I, I just I wasn't happy yeah. so that's the first thing I went there that's one milestone which had an impact huge impact on my life because it made me very aware that how learning and enjoyment of life can be inhibited by the imposition of someone else's Dictatorship, or yeah. Well, I don't mind when it makes sense, but if it's nonsensical, I, I. So that's the first milestone. I then went teaching, and and like I said, you a little earlier on, um, and Mary Mary Penfold and I had the same experience. Um, I was straight out of uh, Teachers College in Wellington, 
Well, first of all, I want to tell you, I went to Hukarere, and in those days, you had two choices if you were a girl, teaching or nursing. That was it. Well, I didn't want any of them. But I particularly didn't want nursing, which my father wanted me to follow because he, you know, he just wanted me to be a nurse because he had a, nef- a niece who was a wonderful nurse. Well, uh, I didn't want that, so the other option was teaching. And uh, so I came uh, to the only op- other option, um, offering. I have no regrets now, uh, but at the time it wasn't a choice. It was a, it wasn't, it was a no option thing. So I came here. Then I went back to Waimatatini, and I guess uh, I went back to relieve that wonderful woman that uh, is, is, you know, very noted now, Sylvia Ashton Warner, who wrote The Spinster, and absolutely brilliant woman. And I think it was just an absolute stroke of, stroke of luck that I was asked to relieve her when she was not feeling very well. So I went into a classroom that was an eye-opener yeah. in the way that those children just enjoyed learning. Uh, in, in her, she had percussion bands with stones and, and cigarette Beautiful. things, and, you know, and how she, she tailored her uh, relationship with those children and that community based on what was important for them. It's interesting now. Many, many years later, we're all talking about going back to our communities and engaging with them and calling on the skills there to underpin the professionals. <laughs> and so for tonight, you're, you're finally here to, to Tautoko and... Uh, yeah, well, I think they're a bit bemused, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, because um, I guess, you know, it's well known that I've had several awards, and, and that's another thing that um, is a bit uh, puzzling. I, I did feel that maybe someone else should be. Uh, you, there's a, there's, um, but I, as I said to my children, well, it just shows you the older you get, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Mm. So it is a, um, a very humbling um, time. Arere, kia ora tātou. Kia ora tātou. I'm known to speak for four hours, but I'm going to be very brief. I just want to say and endorse everything that's been said tonight. Mahara, Judith, Koto, Creative Arts. You know, I go back a hundred years and remember that nobody's celebrated like this. Well, we did in a different way. But um, there were a lot of really skilled people in those days. And I think, what a shame that they weren't acknowledged more widely in their time. All of you who hated me but did what you were told anyway... But in particular, folks, I want to really pay a tribute and dedicate this to all the kohanga whanau. When this movement started, they didn't know which side was up, but they were excited. And it's wonderful what you can do with people who are excited but not sure why. <laughs> but it was... Ora, ora, yarat, yarat. Ah. Oh, tipura.
She now joins the honour roll alongside Digores Tikanoa, Cliff Whiting and the late Don Selwyn. Later in the year, a ceremony at her marae will be held for Tafifirangi. Of course, it's a big lead up to the elections and you may hear these words, so we're outlining the kupu Māori for the political parties. Now, not all of the parties have Māori names. And these are transliterations. It means the Māori word is taken from the English word. Bāti is party. No, not the kind with mate sausages and a few beers. Reipa is labour, so... The party Reipa is Labour Party. Apply that formula to the rest of the parties. Na party. Nahinara is national. Te party Nahinara. Aotearoa Tuatahi is New Zealand first. For the Greens, the colour green is Kākāriki, so Green Party is Te party Kākāriki. The Māori Party is Te party Māori. Now here's where there are no transliterations for the parties. The United Future Party is Te Party United Future. Jim Anderton's Progressive Party is Te Party Progressive are Jim Anderton. And ACT is Te Party ACT. Parimata is Parliament. Kaitorangapu is the word for politician. Kueranga kupuho wa. New words for you to learn. At our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash tiahika, the words are listed there for you. I'm Justine Murray. I'm Maraya Rakraku, and this is Tiahika on Radio New Zealand National. Hello, this is Michael Franti here. Kia ora. Kia ora, Michael. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Gee, the line's not too flash, eh, but we'll give it a bash. And is that a delay on the line? Yeah, I'm hearing a little bit of an echo there. So the root boy's back in town. The root boy's back in town. You've had a long association with Māori and Aotearoa Nera. When did that begin? I think the first time I came down, it was in 1992 or 93. And I remember the first day I was there, I was walking down... What's the main street in downtown Auckland? Maybe Queen Street or something. And I saw this brother who looked indigenous, you know, and so I went up to him and talked to him. And it turned out he was from Fiji, though. <laughs> but he said, you know, I got this friend of mine who's got this art show in this building right here. And I walked in and I met George Nuku, a great sculptor and artist and carver. And, and he became my friend. And he, his brother, uh, DLT, the, one of the most well-known Aotearoa music producers and hip-hop producers, so I linked up with him. And then through that, I just really linked up with the Maori art and cultural world as well as musical. So every year that I've come back, it's been a great reunion. Then I say, Michael, Michael, where you been? You've been eating night. You know you look a little thin. I've been out in Japan, just chilling Tokyo, man. I took the bullet train to Hiroshima and then I jumped into the water and I started to swim. Shanghai, Ho Chi Minh City, and then down to Indonesia where I hooked with some friends. I visit Tommy E.T. down in Tuho again. 
you maintain that association in a number of ways, eh? Not only do you wear kaumoko, but in a couple of your albums, including this one, you've made mention of uh, visiting Tame Itzi and Tuhoi again. Yeah, yeah. Every time I come down, I always see Tommy. It's one of my priorities. <laughs> He's been a very inspirational figure in my life. And for a lot of people, you know, he is. He's that great mix of intellect, of politics, of comedy, of music. He's a fantastic musician. But mainly of just, like, keeping the spirit alive, you know. And he's always, um, you know, a controversial figure, but his the controversies that he's involved in, I really feel at the end of the day, help others to think about the world, to think about the relationship between Maori people or, or indigenous people of any place and the colonial people who have moved there, you know. These are things that are really important issues in the world today. So you need the boys back in town. Now, the last time I saw you, you were also getting some tamoko work done by Enya Taylor. Yeah. Are you planning to do that again when you get back here? Yeah, in fact, I was just recently on the phone with Enya. The last time I was there, I was doing something on both of my arms, and um, we didn't have enough time to finish it before I had to go do the show. So Enya said, hey, why don't I get one of my mates who works here to work on one arm? Well, I work on the other arm, <laughs> which I highly don't recommend because <laughs> there's a lot of energy to be taken on at one time. So me and you've been talking and trying to create some time, you know, to sit down and really be able to uh, concentrate, you know, not be in a rush. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. One, two, rock ahead, Album, you've worked with Sly and Robbie. I mean, is that the epitome of your musical career or what? Oh man, Sly and Robbie are just like, they've always been my heroes musically because they've worked with so many different artists, you know, from original roots reggae, you know, working with Peter Tosh and Bob Marley, you know, Gregory Isaac, Michigan and Smiley, Yellow Man, so many people working all the way up to contemporary artists like Beanie Man and Buju Branson, Bounty Killer, and then also the stuff that they've done outside of reggae, like making a record with Bob Dylan or Willie Nelson or No Doubt. They even did a Britney Spears remix recently. So they're just really all over the map in terms of just making music that people want to dance to. And that was really the priority with this record. So 
It was a great honor to spend time in Jamaica working with them. Jamaica, yeah, the hometown of Bob. That's it. <laughs> On the music of selector. When that it come to my song within the champions. The sound of the weapon called a microphone. Bring the revolution on, broadcasting to the early morning. Pirate radio, rocking it on. Rebel music on the dance floor. Tell me what you're fighting for, because this day gonna keep you alive. Forget about your troubles and your nine to five with the rhythm of the pump, the pump, the pump. People, have you arrived from the place you left? Trying to forget all the things you sweat. Like the job, that. the bills, the phone, the spills. Yeah. Somebody hand you a handful of pills so you hold them up. Down. Your head's like a record going gong a gong. The beat keeps pumping, pound for pound, and the whole wide world try to beat you down. Sound system, here's a warning. Sound system, turn it on. And sound system, microphone. And power on system, so come down. And sound system, here's a warning. Sound system, turn it on. And sound system, microphone. And this system gonna rock this town. When I was listening to the album, for me it kind of seems to hark back to some of the earlier Spearhead stuff. Was that intentional or is it just how the album was rolling? Not really intentional, just kind of full circle, you know. We really wanted to make a record this time around that would have rhythms that people could dance to, whether it was in Africa or in Asia or South America. We've been traveling a lot to those places, you know, Middle East. And so that really became the priority. And I always write my songs on acoustic guitar first, and then I bring them to the band, or I bring them to Sly and Robbie and say, let's make a rhythm for this one. And um, I'd say, you know, sometimes I just want you to be able to listen to the song. You don't have to dance to it, you know? And Sly said to me early on in the record, he said, no, we can make a song where you can dance to every cut on the record, even if it's a ballad, even if it's a quieter song. It should still always have a, a groove that you can nod your head to and move to. Conflict each and every day At home and in the streets and in my soul and everywhere It's hard to keep the faith when I feel so far away Times I feel connected, times I'm running away But whoa, whoa, can't you see All the sickness, hunger, and poverty War on the land and war in the seas War, war is a painful thing One argument none of us can't hide It's the one that's raging down deep inside trying to make a point or have the last word but most of the time people just trying to be heard you know michael do you ever get wearied by the work that you do i mean you carry in terms of a maori kaupapa you carry this quite heavy kaupapa of politicizing people through your lyrics and through your music i mean do you ever feel wearied by it uh there's some days when i i feel just physically tired because it's a lot of traveling and going to places that we do. There's sometimes when I feel worn down, like when I made this film about Iraq and I was traveling around the world every day answering questions about the state of things in Iraq and in Israel and Palestine and having people be on the attack at times, you know. But what I learned is that I I don't have to always defend myself. I can just listen to what other people have to say and take in what they have to say and not feel like I have to be on the defensive. You know, this is my perspective, this is what I believe, this is what I've seen. And share with me what you have seen, you know. 
so I can learn more. And so that's really been my attitude. And having made that decision to live that way, it's changed me. So I don't get worn out like I used to, say, five or six years ago. thing is that my music is not necessarily about political awakening all the time it's just really about awakening so it could be awakening to your sadness your joy your love your love you know your excitement your energy your passion you know and that's really what I try to tap into with people and politics is just one of a hundred other things that I explore us i had to do it in 15 minutes eh? okay so um i'll see you when you get over here all right i'm excited kia ora same kia ora michael thank you very much take care kia ora And if you liked that, you can see the man himself, Michael Franti, and Spearhead at the Power Station in Auckland this upcoming Tuesday, the 7th of October. And thanks to Sam Wicks and the music team for pulling it all together and making it happen. Nui te kōrero. Anā, ahakoa korangi nui kairuna ko papatua nuku kairaro. A tērā katareka kataea e te whakatau ki. Tērā au tātou mātua tūpuna ki te whakakōpani ake. A tērā ki roto i te kupuruarua, ki roto i te kupuichi e tareka i te ki. I hau mai tāua i tawhitonuku i tawhitorani. Although little is said, there is great meaning behind the words. Te mākerini te mara, nō nai tūhoi, and that's us for another week. Te ahikā will be back next Sunday at 7.30pm just after 1 in 5. We will hear from some of the people affected by the raids that took place in 2007 on October the 15th as we reflect on a year since. I don't think it would take much um, for the hurt and the frustration and the anger to erupt if um, if one wanted to explore that, it would not take much for people to react. Myself and two others representing the uh, Western Tuhu Executive Committee uh, met with Commissioner Howard Broad at uh, Rotorua uh, at a neutral venue, and uh, this was a meeting. This was a meeting that. Uh, um, we had been wanting to uh, 
to arrange for some weeks. Uh, so the meeting took place. It was the meeting was for about an hour. What was agreed to there was that we had matters of importance to discuss with each other. Number two, that we would need to talk again, um, and uh, the purpose was for us to appreciate where each other was placed in terms of options of going forward. Thomasy Kruger, he's with us next week. Hey, Tira Wiki, Mauri ora.